Welcome to the special holiday extravaganza Foot Guns podcast. You may have not heard my voice in a while because I've been put in podcast timeout for being mean to the internet chicken, but I've been allowed back by everybody's favorite space robot, HAL 9000, to come on the podcast. How we made it through another year, we're still standing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still amazed that the the world is still turning and I don't know about you, but yeah, uh, I mean, uh, it's been, (laughs) it's been, I mean, the last like two years have been pretty wild, a pretty wild ride, like, uh, up and down. Right. Um, but yeah, um, can't believe we've made it all the way to the end of, I mean, not quite to the end, but almost to the end of 2022. Um, this year was certainly, um, a painful lesson for anybody like me that um, wants to just, you know, ride this crypto trade all the way up to a million dollars or whatever. <laughs> right. So we've pride ourselves on being the number one most actionable podcast in the space. And so it would be best if we, as we sort of look back at the year to be, and I'm always for this, being harshest towards ourselves. And uh, so what was, what, what was your worst take? of 2023 i know what mine was um like tay i I think personally was just like uh thinking that bitcoin bottomed at 28k um i i don't know i think i had like a a lot of conviction around that and um i don't know i was trying to think like if there, there must be something else worse than i did this whole year was a lot of um just bad bad decisions on my part i mean uh i i I think probably just like participating was the worst take (laughs) like the that just saying to participate at all like i i don't know it it was a tough one so if i can this is a trading show if i can take the other side of that trade i would argue that i do not believe uh first of all first of all i think that 28k support level um, based on years and years of technical analysis was had a lot of support for it. I don't think that was a bad take whatsoever. I think if you are, this, this is one of those years where if you are simply a market participant, you're going to get, you know, thrown around. And I mean, it was one of the best years to be an oil trader. It was one of the worst years to be an oil trader. I don't think my blood pressure has ever gone up this high, but there were a lot of just so much. I mean, there were, to give you an idea on the TradFi side, uh, the S&P has had 1% uh, moves to the downside 60 times, four times in its history, and one of them was this year. So it has been a challenging environment for every asset class, I, I think, uh, with the exception of if you're just plain stupid like in other words a lot of these vc funds are now gonna have to eat their investment in ftx um and it, a lot of the sort of excess in the growth slash tech sectors coming down i mean tesla is <laughs> elon musk has vaporized 10 times the amount of billions that uh bernie made off uh that i'm not suggesting you know that uh, tesla's criminal or anything but um i think my worst take uh, this year wasn't a take, but it was a lack of inact- a lack of inaction, which was correctly called the year low for um, the on a private podcast for, for the S and P thirty thirty six fifty, and then it happened. That's my year low. It happened the next week, 
And uh, I did not get long for that super duper June bounce. And I just I just sat there watching it going up and up and up until it hit forty three hundred, and I didn't do anything about it. So I guess that's a, less a crime against uh, the podcast listeners as it is to myself. But um, definitely, this was uh, you know there's there's things that are foreseeable. There's things that are not. And if you've had a particularly if you've had a tough year, just understand this has been the craziest year. I've ever seen in terms of the number of cross currents coming together. I mean, you've got inflation and yet weak earnings and all this other kind of stuff. So if you've had a, a less than stellar year, don't beat yourself up too much about it. Um, and so, so to the good stuff, what about your best uh, take of 2022? Oh, um, dang, that's a, that's a it, yeah. I mean, okay. I call I called Uni. Uh, we put Uni on the cheat sheet at like three dollars, right? It's trading at like five bucks. So uh, I think that's pretty much. You know, it's, it's it's those things that's like in these kinds of markets you don't realize and you and, and you forget to sort of congratulate yourself on on these sorts of things, right? Like I I um sort of have just beat myself up all year because I've just been getting beat up by the market, right? But yeah, I mean. Deciding to say, "Hey, look, let's uh, let's put Uni on the cheat sheet because uh, I think it's one of the most you know concrete projects like in crypto right now in the midst of this like sea of who knows what the fuck anything is." Um, so yeah, you know, we put it on I think at like three dollars and fifty cents or three dollars and eighty cents or something, and it's trading at like five thirty. Um, so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of like a better call this year um i think there was some some other things but maybe it'll come to me as we keep chatting yeah i think you gave, gave good advice to people about specifically trading about how uh you know to deal with um what was an incredibly volatile market as well as how to trade a much more quiet um sort of market now for in terms of predictions for 2020 sorry i'm skipping around this is what you get when you get me back after being kicked off from the internet chicken. I get a little enthusiastic. Um, but I think that, um, I think that, uh, if there's no, if there's one thing I had to say to crypto world and Visa V23 or anything else, and that is that the biggest moves in asset classes are when they go from things being, um, just absolutely terrible to, not going to die. And I, I feel like that we're at potentially an absolutely terrible um, valuation for a lot of the stuff that you like. And um, the biggest move is always when things go from, you know, looking like they're going to completely collapse to actually the patient is going to survive. And, and I certainly think with the, the sort of, uh, you know, I mean, FTX's bankruptcy has all those elements of a sort of capitulation bottom. I mean, it has all the elements of a of a of, a, of an asset class that you you should pay attention to. And um, I think Bitcoin, at least, I know. It, I mean, it's on when you have Bloomberg or whatever, and you're watching Bloomberg Asia. Um, I mean, they they've got the Bitcoin quotes up, so I think Bitcoin has successfully. Uh, made it onto the mainstream, and that most uh, trad five traders like myself look at it as a measure barometer of risk. That's actually much more, much better, much better than something like the VIX and 
um, the overall health of the consumer because if people start rating their crypto wallets for real, I'm talking for real. Uh, in other words, you're, you're, you're starting to root around and you're, you're looking for that last little, <laughs> last little bit in the, um, uh, uh, bank account. And so I think it, you know, Bitcoin 2022, if nothing else, it was the year that Bitcoin started, you know, it was, there was a, God, all those, so was the well, journalism. Yeah, uh, so, no, here, yeah. Here's the thing is, is I remember, I remember you said that, and I don't know if this ever got onto like one of the public podcasts or, or one of the ones yeah. we were like playing with when we were first proposing foot guns. But, um, yeah, you had said like, yeah, I don't think crypto is like big enough or, or, or intertwined enough into like the, you know, finance system to like really matter in the sense that like, you know, if, if the price of Bitcoin goes down, like who, who cares, right? Like I, I feel like FTX was like the first touching of that, like, hey, look, like, you know, enough people got involved into this crypto scene that now, you know, now they might have to go sell some stocks to make up for these losses that they had in the in the FTX scandal. I don't know. What what are your, what are your thoughts around that? Like do you think crypto has finally gotten big enough? And and you said you just said like, you know, you use it as a barometer of risk. Like, is it finally big enough now that it's like an actual part of like the finance system? Like we yes. can stop talking yes. about like yeah. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think if you're sitting think if you're staring and you're sitting at some losses this year you know, if you're a crypto enthusiast, you have to be extremely excited about the fact that 2022 was the absolute year that your preferred asset class became TradFi. I mean, I'm sorry, it's over. Like if Bloomberg is giving you quotes, like it gives you the Australian dollar quotes and then it gives you the, uh, you know, oil quotes and then it gives you Ethereum and Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. So if your goal was to advance the cause of, crypto and DeFi, then you've done it. You've congratulations. You've landed um, on the part where it matters, which is on the, on, which is on our screen. The people who, who, who control the largest sums of money now see the price of Bitcoin every single day. And I don't think that will stop uh, for the foreseeable future. So 2022 was the year that Bitcoin made it. Unfortunately, the price action did not accompany that sort of cementing in the, the risk asset space. Um, I think there was a lot of I told you so, but I, I, I really push back on anyone. I, 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 we were in the summer of not just last summer, but the summer of 2021. We were talking about, uh, we were talking about, you know, I thought I wanted to be able to short VC. I kept talking about that on private podcasts. I was like, these people are, are not even, um, uh, seemingly caring about the checks that they write. I mean, the fact that FTX was, there was no way for you to know. My point is, there's no way for anyone to know that FTX was like this. Because when's the last time you saw big, high powered VC funds back, uh, somebody who's running QuickBooks? I mean, and were they even paying for it or was it like the free QuickBooks that like, you know, tanning salons run or whatever? So, right, right. I mean, it, those are basic questions. I mean, whenever we looked at the deal, I, you know, was it a multi-strat? We looked at private equity deals, did a lot of them. And the first thing we would ask is, what's your accounting system? And let's see the numbers. Uh, it's not the last question you ask. It's the first. And so I think, I think you know, for, for the average participant, um, 
and people all want to call that they it was a fraud or whatever. I mean, all all Elon Musk said, for example, was that he didn't think Sam Bankman Fried was worth X liquid. I mean, he didn't say he, the guy was a fraud. He just didn't think he was liquid, like most people who own still private uh, venture capital backed companies are. They're not that liquid. So there, there was sort of an attempt of a few people to be like, "Yeah, I saw this coming. I knew this guy was a fraud." You know, he was a very well spoken guy um, who you know, didn't give off any of, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty good at spotting. I mean, I'm not good at financial, not necessarily going to claim some sixth sense when it comes to financial frauds, but um, I have been short Tesla since, you know, $280 a share. So um, I, I can spot, I feel like when, when like executives and management are under stress, I do think probably the biggest what the fuck moment I had over FTX. And this may just show you how disconnected I am or whatever, but turns out there's a show called Shark Tank that doesn't include sharks, by the way. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you know this? There's a I, show I, called Shark Tank. Well, I, yeah, I know where you're going. I'll let you, yeah, give give all the background on this. So, yeah, so yeah, anyone that doesn't know can. It turns out a show called, like, like, I was a big fan. Of, I watched Shark Week on Discovery. Everybody loves sharks. They're like the, you know, they're the ones I that just you, went. I just went uh, scuba diving and was yeah like face to face with a bunch of sharks. They're they're beautiful and yeah, I love them. Yeah, everybody roots for them and they want to be like the guys into sharks until they get eaten by a great white. But I'll tell you that the 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 biggest disappointment was learning that Shark Tank is not a show about sharks. Instead, it's about it's four or five I don't know extremely stale, not very real VC fund investors, and one of these sort of fake investors is. Um, uh, goes by the title of Mister Wonderful, which I, I I don't even I don't even know you could do that. I mean, does somebody give you that name, or do you claim that name for yourself, Mister Wonderful? Yeah, which, you. That's that's a very um, a TV personality versus a uh, investor. <laughs> well, it sounds like a professional wrestler, right? I mean, I, I would absolutely think Mister Wonderful is the name of a professional wrestler. So it turns out the biggest the biggest the biggest thing was it turns out a show called called Shark Tank that does not involve sharks. There's a guy named Mr. Wonderful who pretends to invest in companies on it. And no, he was not taken for a ride. He was paid one five fifteen million dollars to promote not just FTX, but Mr. Sam Bateman Freed. And I that is I don't even know what to he first of all, that guy absolutely has to give the money back. Anytime you have a situation where money you received for compensation was stolen, you 100% have to give it back. It's not like a, you know, sorry. Um, so, okay. Uh, so wait, I want to, I want to go down this rabbit hole and then and we'll come back to this, but um, okay. So get, taking them, you have to give the money back. Right. So if it, if it comes out and like can be provable or whatever on chain that there were some market makers that purposefully and knowingly depegged Luna. I'm sorry, not Luna. Um, uh, UST, right? Using using Luna, like the mechanism around Terra Luna, and that Sam Bankman Fried and Alameda Research were highly involved in this in that entire thing or whatever. Do they then go to all those market makers that knowingly that's took a that great trade? question? And take the money back. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. And one of the problems is that 
And, and, you know, this is one of these weird times where people have been like, don't regulate my Bitcoin. Wait, regulate my Bitcoin. Is that we don't know, you know, market makers have to register with the SEC and they're the only people who are allowed to manipulate prices of stock in order to provide liquidity. And so you can go track them down. I said this before. And when people talk about government overreach, the SEC doesn't really overreach. It's just a, basically a DMV so that we know where to go find people when they do bad things, really. And um, so in this case, we don't even know some of the actors probably in the market, the whole market making scene, particularly in the perps. And there were, so looking back, I mean, I, I went through a, 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 about two hours where I just read back into Bankman Fried's timeline and Twitter and he doesn't really fully seem to understand some of the products he's talking about. Like, like he doesn't seem to fully understand futures. Uh, he doesn't seem to fully understand some of even the legislation that they seem to have tried to uh, push through Congress. And to anyone who's claiming that somehow his donations to either party, and it's pretty split, but anyone who's claiming that, that that leads to him getting treated lightly, this guy is being, this guy is being, criminally indicted by three separate federal agencies, none of whom, none of whom indict you unless they're going to put you away for a very, very, very long time. My guess is his sentence is concurrent and that he gets to sentence to well over 44 years in prison and that he does probably 12 yeah, that's interesting. I wonder. I mean, they're not going to give him a uh, a computer back. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, <laughs> when I saw that indictment, when I saw that indictment from the uh, uh, you know the group joint agencies from the United, it just says United States federal government. When the United States federal government has you so so clearly in their sights that the criminal indictment is in courier font. And doesn't even include any time. It's like, it's like 10 pages long. I mean, usually you have to, it's like a hundred pages long. Like they have to like lay out the case. They hear they're just like, guy stole money. Guy did wire fraud. You know, I mean, it just, they've got you. I mean, they've got you like, it's, it's just like one of the weirdest, one of these insider trading cases, guys, Raj, Raj, Rotten, got since 22 years. They had him on tape. They literally had him on tape talking to, um, somebody about about an earnings, you know, insider trading, and the guy pled not guilty, and I've never understood that because, I mean, if I assume Bankman Free will probably take a plea deal because there's just nothing. I mean, again, the government. Can you imagine if 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 you've been criminally died by the federal government and they had such a good case they could type it up in courier font? That's it. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Um, this makes me just think of, um, wanting to check in with you about what you're thinking about Ethereum. Cause, um, I know, I know there's just been a lot of, you know, the markets in general have been crazy this year. Sam Bankman fried ended up being like a fraud. There was like, I don't know, more frauds in, uh, crypto than we can imagine. Spotify, uh, told us that our most popular, um, podcast ever was the emergency podcast where you know I, I in my mind that was like the start of of all of this when yep. uh you know sort of fraud after fraud after fraud sort of being un, unveiled um i'm personally long longer ethereum now than i've ever been and not necessarily because i like it 
But no, I think it's I a think good it's trade. It's going to go up in value. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I think it's, a, I think it's a pretty good trade. Look, look. If every, despite all this stuff, I mean, I think one of the side chains. I will be matic, long a matic enthusiast for forever as some of yeah, the other things a, that I, a, you know, that's that's a you know okay. Let's plug it for just a second. Look, we're not desperate. We just want to grow this brand, and um, you know, Spotify gave us some information like. Uh, uh, a bunch of people are really dedicated to this podcast and to, uh, you know, our newsletter. That's a separate thing, but, um, you know, come and support us. Like it's the end of the year. No one's feeling well. Um, if you've been listening to this all year and you want to like, you know, get into our private chats and, and that sort of thing, like sign up for the paid, you know, we'll say it and then that's it. And, and we'll say to sign up for the paid less if you uh, sign up for the paid. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, just, we have to actually plug it. We, 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 never we do. We, we, we're, we're the world's wor- worst uh, self promoters uh, probably in the history of advertising or anything else. Smash the subscribe button like the other people in the podcast. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So anyways, right. Smash the subscribe button and you don't have to hear us say that like <laughs> very often like we currently do. Uh, anyways, I, I just ruined um, that segment by talking about signing up. So yeah, sign up and we don't have to ruin segments anymore. <laughs> no, but I, I think, I think it was really towards, towards 2023, a couple things come to mind, which is, you know, we had a constant debate in the private podcast all year long about whether crypto was acting upon equity markets or equity markets were acting upon crypto. And um, I, I, I think the answer is uh, that they are both intertwined. It's rare that you see sort of the NASDAQ take into the woodshed and you see Ethereum don't, although that's been, Ethereum's been holding up a lot better uh, than the NASDAQ the last few days. But um, no, I think I think that that if you, I don't know what you could possibly add to to crypto, not necessarily the markets, but I'm not sure what worse news you could possibly add than um, you know the world's smartest people got together and gave a guy a bunch of money, supposedly smartest, uh, gave a guy a bunch of money and. Um, for Ethereum to still be trading above a thousand, I mean, don't I wouldn't even split hairs with it. And this trade may take take a while to pay off. So now I've been consistently an Ethereum bear on this podcast. I mean, I'm the Ethereum bear, uh, and I was I would I would I would get along here. And I just think you have to have a little bit of a you know we're trade we're trading thing, and you gotta have a, a little bit of patience and being willing to leg into it sort of here. And like Amazon hit a 52 week low yesterday. And if you're saving up for a retirement thing, it makes sense to leg into a position when it hits a 52 week low. Now there's some things about the chart that make it even maybe, maybe not a good idea, but, but the, the actually, um, I, I, and, and, you know, to, uh, entice you to come on a private podcast soon with me and our viewers to sign up. Um, I actually came up with something today um, that ties Amazon and Ethereum together. And maybe not in like a, in a first order, second order, but like, yeah, I think there's a little bit of a something going on that I, I want to talk to you about on a private podcasts about why I think uh, there is a correlation between Amazon and Ethereum. And it, it maybe is, is, is past just, traders trading <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah i'll i'll just tease that a bit i i literally came up with this uh thesis like two hours ago 
Yeah, interesting. I think that's very. I look forward to sort of hearing about it. I think best call of twenty twenty three, twenty twenty two. We talked about good call or good calls or whatever. One of the things is I've been extremely negative about Brian Armstrong and the whole Coinbase family. And when that market cap dropped down below the value of Dogecoin, I think I looked pretty justified in retrospect. I mean, there were some people like, why do you hate this, you know, Coinbase guy so much? And I was just like, because it was a direct IPO listing done in bad faith by a bunch of venture capital people who just dumped it on the public market for dead. I mean, they didn't even have a lockup period. I mean, they just said, here, have this. And... um and whoever's the CEO coming out of that or whoever's a driving force behind that is not on your side. I mean, I don't know what these people need to do more to demonstrate. I mean, everybody keeps talking about, you know, the government, the government, the government, the government. The people who are not on your side are venture capitalists. And I, I think you only need to look at Coinbase as well as some of the coins that were sort of hyped by the pro, you know, tokens that were hyped by VC to, to, to understand that these people really don't care about you. They really don't. They are, they are a level, and it obviously doesn't apply to every venture capitalist, but they are mostly people who could care less about your financial well-being. Yeah, I, um, so again, this is kind of why I'm so bullish on uni is that, um, yeah, Uni's got that 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 huge. I, I was yeah. I was I was stunned when you showed me the Uni fan base. I mean, there's a Uni club at Harvard Law School. I mean, it's it's got a following. Uh, that other yeah, I think they're going to be the ones that are going to go. I think they're going to ones that are going to take Coinbase down. I think they're going to. That's my like public podcast uh, call. End of 2022. We'll see if I'm wrong, but I mean, it could take five years but um i just think they're gonna do they're gonna they're gonna try and be the coinbase of DeFi. like and they're gonna they're gonna i don't know maybe they end up being shitty bad actors but um i'd take them over coinbase any day yeah i don't i don't the, look there's i think everything shifted in in crypto for a little bit which is that um one of the coolest things about crypto or wandering into crypto or whatever is everyone's really nice um, I'm sure there were some harsh words on discords to people, but you know, our little community hasher at newbie, um, some Jimmy, um, Jockus pony. I never know what his username is, but he's really cool. Um, all those guys, uh, in the spacing guild, they're just such nice people. And so I feel like, like everyone I've interacted with on crypto, Wasabi, you, everybody, uh, everybody I've interacted on crypto is like trying really hard to, to like build something and, and all that other kind of stuff. And everyone's really nice and by and large trustworthy. And you think about, and the whole idea is, but it's called the stack about trustless, how does, what role does trustlessness play in trust and all that other kind of stuff. But I think at least for the next, the next 12 months that, um, that you are guilty and pro- until proven innocent if you are a, a big personality in the crypto uh, space. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. No, this is really relevant. We have to go. Okay, so, um, you know, end of the year. Sorry for pushing this, uh, you know, go sign up or whatever. But it's it's true. I, I think there's really value in this product. And so I'm going to push it. Um, you yeah, know, we've been chatting in the Spacing Guild, which is our, like, private chat and Discord about how um, Danielle Esta, who is the person that, you know, we first 
made the first emergency podcast about when he came out and said that he realized that he's been working with a bad actor and, you know, he wants to give people a second chance and, and blah, blah. And, and now that we've <laughs> gone through the whole year and uh, seen who all the bad actors were, um, it, there's a bit of me that says, okay, maybe Daniela was um, truthful and that he didn't quite realize like how bad these people were around him. And then when he did, he was like, Oh, well, at least they're not, you know, robbing people or whatever. Um, but the point is, um, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, in the last week or so, uh, Phantom and these tokens, which is associated with, with another uh, dead hero in crypto, uh, Andre Cronje uh, and Danny, who who both got connected together just before like everything really exploded. Um, uh, Ice, for instance, is uh, a token that I had recommended is up. 100% in the last 24 hours with some tweets from like Danny being like, Hey, I'm back and I'm going to just build product product. And like, I don't care what people think. So I, I like, and, and then Andre as well is like, Hey, I'm back and I'm going to build product. And like, I don't care what people think. Andre was much, it's a lot harder to say he was a bad actor. He like really didn't do anything bad other than just like quitting. Um, uh, I'm yeah. I'm just curious, like your thoughts, like do do people, you know, like I recommended ice at a dollar, it's at 23 cents or 30 cents or something. Um, I'm skeptical of the project still because of everything that's happened and all the bad actors and stuff. Like, can you trust something like that? Or do you just completely say, you know what guys, like we need to just ignore these product, you know, projects because these people probably still are bad actors. Like, I don't don't know. What are your thoughts? I'll, I'll go one step further than that. And I will say, Get out a piece of paper and write down the number of CEOs of publicly held companies. And you're going to name, of course, Elon Musk, maybe Warren Buffett. Um, I guess Jeff Bezos stepped down. I don't even know who's running Amazon. Um, and you're going to get to maybe like five to ten names or something like that. Now, take out a separate column. Write down the number of crypto personalities that you know of who are leading things. And... Um, if it's a good company, you, you don't know, you actually don't know who the CEO is. And I think that's been true also sort of with DeFi, although I've been a little bit disappointed by the inability to bring sort of sushi swap back because I think of that great community. But um, I would even go so far as to say that if anything you're investing in, I mean, you've now been burned by, you know, an Elon Musk, you've been burned, I mean, the Tesla, you've been burned by uh, F. Sam Bankman Freed, you've been burned by... Danny knowingly or not or whatever and maybe Andre is fine and all that other kind of stuff but kind of like maybe that's one of the new due diligence tests on potential crypto investment I don't know trades are a different story but in terms of you know growing your bag or whatever the term is um, I think that uh, that should be probably the first test does this depend on a person because then you don't even have to go down the sort of fraud analysis route. You just have to know that it's a key man problem, right? If this is the one person who could make this project fly, they can get run over by a bus. So if your entire you know thesis around Ethereum is around Vitalik, whatever, um, then you should not own Ethereum because if that guy is so crucial and critical to the product, then you know he could just get cancer or something. So. Um, that would be a new part of my 
analysis. I think I would add that I, to my sort of analysis. That's, that's really interesting. Okay, <laughs> here's my response. Um, short ice, long Ethereum. Why? I would love to see Vitalik stop being in charge of Ethereum. <laughs> right. I, I, I would. That would be the moment where I would just be like... But he's not like oh everywhere. God. He's not everywhere. He's not like Brian Armstrong. He's not everywhere, but I he's think not tweeting that would at the SEC. Like, yeah, yeah, but but like everyone's in love with him in the same way that they're in love. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, you know, don't don't date it, don't hate it, trade it, right? Like, so if, if you notice that everyone's in love with the trade, maybe that's not a trade you want to be in, right? Because... Um, you got like some irrational people that are just buying things because they don't understand what they're buying. They just like want to just keep listening to this person that's in charge. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just feel like with Ethereum, if Vitalik were to step off the scene, I would love to see where Ethereum goes at that point, right? Like, I feel like that could be like Ethereum's moment where it, it really like takes off and like unleashes. That would be the same um, with the reaction to the initial reaction. The initial reaction might be yeah. Oh, the the initial reaction is it goes down, right? So yeah, so buy the yeah. dip there, right? With, yeah, buy with, the uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a, hey, look, that's a great thought. These trades, uh, buy the yes, buy the hack. I mean, you you're the one who pioneered buy the hack. I've never heard that before. Um, but, but yeah, exactly. And, and so the initial reaction will be, Oh God, this is another Sam Bankman Freed situation. I guarantee it. Ethereum will go down 20% or something like that. Buy it because I think, I think it, it'll run fine without Vitalik. But these, you know, Vitalik's not tweeting at the SEC. Brian Armstrong yeah, is yeah. Tweeting, so, tweeting at the SEC. So maybe instead of tweeting at the SEC, right. if Brian Armstrong would have paid more attention to his company. And his shareholders might have not lost ninety five percent of the value or something like that. I mean, I don't know what it's trading at today, but if it's under Dogecoin, then you're a shitty CEO. Congratulations! Like, there's no, there's no possible comeback to that. Well, it's a tough market. I don't fucking care. Well, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough, uh, you know, year for crypto. Oh, by the way, okay, okay. So I'll give you. We'll do this one. I, um... Uh, you know, we won't save this one for the private podcast. I, I came up with this one like a week or two ago. Um, see if anybody takes it seriously. Um, why is Dogecoin worth more than Coinbase? Why is Litecoin rallying? Ethereum switched to proof of stake, right? So what what um, what people would do if they're a Bitcoin miner is when Bitcoin mining is too expensive, meaning there's like too many people mining Bitcoin. So it like, you know, you can, it's, it's a simple math problem. You can, you can just go do it. Like, trust me, it's not like complicated. It's like algebra one. Um, so you just turn off your computers uh, and stop mining Bitcoin. because It's not profitable. Well, instead what you can do is you can mine other proof of work coins and Ethereum used to be a proof of work coin, but it switched to proof of stake now, you know, earlier this year. Yep. So now what these miners are doing, at least this is my um, con, you know, uh, hypothesis, is that they're switching to mining Litecoin and Dogecoin because Dogecoin and Litecoin are both um, uh, proof-of-work coins. And there's very few proof-of-work coins left. And so, like, what, you know, so they're like, okay, well, whatever, like, we can, we can mine a bit of Dogecoin and, and sell it. Like, you know, it's super cheap to mine it, super cheap to mine Litecoin. Um, I, I don't know who the fuck's buying it, but, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that I makes, don't know. That, no, that increased yeah. mining activity makes sense to me. Now, listen, yeah, I, so I, I, get, right, I could, I could see people get excited about, oh, look at the mining activity going up. So I'm going to buy it, right? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm, uh, let me just finish and then you can say, but like, yeah, sure. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, um, something that I'm excited about and I'm like running out and like buying on my own, but like, I am definitely using Dogecoin as a, uh, as that like canary trade of, of, I bought a little bit of it and I'm, I'm feeling the pain of it and I'm waiting to see, Hey, is this thing going to turn around? And if it starts turning around in my mind, that means that like people have got, gotten a bit excited about crypto again um because it's you know it's like why would you buy it so if anyone's buying it then that must mean that there's money like coming into the whole space that's sort of my my thesis around that no it's a it's a good one and like we said it's it's crypto um is likely to stay somewhat inflated because the money goes into the system but very rarely comes out and 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 i was an early advocate of ftx's approach because i thought it meant interoperability like I would love to do, I mean, you can do with your, you know, the futures, but I would love to do, um, you know, Bitcoin versus equity spreads and stuff like that, where in one sort of interchangeable place. And at least FTX was prom- the first person to sort of promise that they were going to head in that direction. And I'll, I'll admit that I, I found that, you know, the extent that you and I were ever Sam Bankman preached positive, it was because uh, we were, we were enticed or by the interoperability. I mean, it could have been, Ronald McDonald. No, I think um, I think if you go back and listen to our pod, I, probably that emergency podcast or like the emergency yeah. two or something. Um, I'll just reiterate this: like um, in the long term, this is good for crypto because it's free advertising. Uh, yeah, the, it's it not really free advertising. A shitload of people lost money. I'm sorry. Um, the you know the dude the dude was legitimately a scammer, um, but. Like what he took advantage of and what Danny took advantage of maybe and what a lot of people like Do Kwan took advantage of was that there is actually a theoretical technological gain here, right? Which is like that interoperability that you're talking about. And a lot of people are advertising that they're the ones that are going to do it. And eventually somebody's going to actually do it. Um, but I think what we're what we've what we've learned in 2022 is that that person isn't on the scene yet, and um, yeah. yeah, yeah, the the people that are all on the scene are the people that are trying to convince you that they're going to do it, and they're actually bad actors. No, that's that's totally fair. Um, I I mean, it certainly makes sense to me. Um, I don't know why. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a holy. It's kind of like a holy grail idea, right? It's like that guy that you know. It's like you know, it's seventeen sixty-seven or something, and some guy shows up at your door and says, "Hey, I know where um, you know, the fountain of youth is. Like, you just got to follow me." <laughs> right, right. The fountain of youth. I wonder how many po- like if you played podcast bingo and transcribe the podcast, all of them on Spotify today. Whether you would get that 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 mention, like how many how many times you get that reference? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet I bet we're probably unique in that regard. I, I gotta say, um, that is that that's a deep cut. That's an absolute. That's a sixteen hundred well, yeah, deep cut. I, I appreciate that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean sometimes you have to look very far to the past to uh, realize what's um, going on. Also, special shout out to forgot in terms of our power users mr toast um another great person in our private discord where we talk about actionable trading ideas forget about mr toast yeah okay well i think that goes back to like a what was a good call this year um maybe maybe i didn't say this explicitly but i like 
you know, and it, it showed up on our discord, which was just like, you know, I put no energy towards NFTs and, um, was kind of, even though I didn't like actively talk about like, you know, go try and, I mean, I don't think there's like a way to short NFTs, but kind of was just like, Hey, like be careful with this because, um, I think this is a great technology. Um, but man, I don't quite understand how you invest in it and, if crypto is going down, NFTs aren't going up. And, uh, you know, like, um, I think there's going to be a moment um, when NFTs take back over. And I hope that I'll be um, wise enough to, you know, I'm not going to be like the guy that says like, oh, buy NFTs today or whatever. But at least I'll be like, yo, I think we're, you know, it's been three months of NFT bullishness. And um, I think, you know, there's a use case here. For me, it has to change, though. It can't just be like, oh, yeah, we made some different-looking pictures of animals or whatever, right? It has to, like... The the, the purpose of NFTs is that um, they're a tool for building something on top of. And so, again, I'm just, you know, I'm waiting for that moment where someone builds something interesting on top of them. And in that moment, I'll get bullish NFTs again. Yeah, I mean, the the the... Feels like we've had a first wave of that kind of stuff. Um, what about on the TradFi front? What do you think about where the, the overall health of the market and, um, uh, you know, with the BOJ signaling they're going to do some policy stuff? That was the last, that was the final central bank to intervene. I mean, that, that was the one that was, that was why the yen got so weak and boy, that helped their exports, but it really hurt them, put them on, on inflation. So the yen, I mean, moves an enormous amount off of 150. It's down to 131. But um, uh, shorter, what are you thinking about all that that stuff? So this is kind of a one of those. I don't know. I think I, like this. These thoughts cross my mind all the time, which is like, you know, you see a lot of people on Twitter, or I don't know, even even on things that I pay money for, like um, that just, you know, they'll come and they'll say something and they're basically just like, yeah, I think it's going to go up and, or I think it's going to go down. Right. <laughs> like, so right. I don't know. I was, I was sort of just like ask myself, like, am I, am I saying like, I think it's going to go up or I think it's going to go down. But I've just been thinking about this a lot. Like, you know, if you look back at what are, what are our examples, right? We have very few examples of like well-recorded history and it's really, we're really in one of those situations that's just like, it either goes up or it goes down next year or it goes sideways, right? That's the third option. Um, but I, I don't know. For me, it, it, for me, it feels like we're at a, a critical moment where a lot of people are like, you know, is 2023 the great, you know, what, I don't know what they're going to make the name for it, right? Like the great, great recession or the almost great depression or like basically is 2023 going to be this thing that just like you can't figure out what the fuck to do. And no matter what you do, you keep losing money just like 2022. Or is it going to be the recovery year where central banks do something that makes everybody happy? And, but I just don't like, for me, the more I like think about like these rate cuts and inflation and blah, 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 so on and so forth. I can't like I can't bring it back to like well what would just happen if we just had like a productive economy right like what if there what if there was just a bunch of smart thinkers out there coming yep. up with useful things to do it's like isn't that the first order effect right like as much as as much yes. as everybody's obsessed with so <laughs> obsessed you, you, with the you dialed into yeah. the, the the crux of the problem which is 
everything, everything, every recession, every every downturn has to have as one of its components. It can't just be a decline of two consecutive quarters of GDP. It has to have an unemployment rise. And there's 1.7 job openings for every able-to-work American right now. So either that's these companies are just flying blind and these job openings won't be there for long, but that that's what 0809 was. It was like everybody lost their job. It was just like, you know, I'm not even, I mean, I didn't, but also. No, not, I, I, well, so I in, good, in 0809, I was at. I was at university uh, in California and um, half of the physics, uh, sorry, t- the, the physics department lost half of their budget, which was no problem, right? They had a huge budget. Half of the music and art department was fired. Yeah, right? exactly. Half of, half of the language department was fired. Half, by, you know, like, by the like way, it 2022, was, it was I mean, brutal. I'm sure <laughs> like, yeah. nobody wants to hear this, but I mean, I'm a pretty pretty well on 2022 i mean there were there were it was a pretty like if you look back at it on the one hand they had it was a really tough year for crypto but in trap it wasn't that it wasn't that difficult i mean you had you had uh technical analysis was just your best friend once you got sort of the hang of it and that the S&P was going to fail at the 200 day um as it tried to make its comeback it's there have been great shorts Great longs. I think it gave some pretty good advice, which was um, buy uh, the S P above forty one hundred and sell below thirty nine hundred the first time. That worked out well, um, and so it was a good year to be long oil than short oil. And it wasn't. It was all particular. It was all pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's where that's where I think technical analysis, like a lot of people. Um, you know, shy away from it and like, think it's just like, you know, some sort of like voodoo or whatever. Um, But you know, if it, (laughs) if the market keeps giving you money, like, you know, if there's, if there's large players in the market that just keep shorting the 200 day and buying the bottom of this, like descending, you know, wedge or whatever, and they keep making money, then none of them care about the state of the economy no. or what the no Fed that's is a doing. great that, that is a right. fantastic yeah. <laughs> point which is the stock market and financial assets are not the economy and and as a global macro guy um i mean i can you can make bets that are a little bit more explicit like the price of oil is typically a good indicator um i mean we went all the way down to 70 uh, because people were really concerned about growth. It's also a seasonality with the oil. This happened exactly last year. I mean, oil's gasoline is trading at the TTP, so to the penny price that it was trading at this time last year. And, and that would, to me, there's a reflationary inflation, while it may have peaked, uh, in the form of commodity and a weaker dollar. And is that, and the dollar had to weaken. I mean, we were getting to the point where, um, you know these emerging market, uh, uh, these emerging market um, countries that have their dollar-denominated sovereign debt and everything, and the dollar just became way too strong. That in turn led to the biggest systemic risk of 2023, which is the bank of this weird little body called the Bank of International Settlements um, keeps track of just kind of strange market plumbing. And that's another key thing that you need to have a really just an ass whipping in uh, equities is you need some of the plumbing to get bad. 
I mean, not just declining earnings. I mean, you need like, you know, debt obligations, people to default on debt. Perfect example is a company, a firm, which I said at 20, I think it's going to zero. It's trading around nine. You can still short it probably. The interest rate's high. Uh, but they're unable to syndicate their loans. They're a little buy now, pay later loans. They're, no, there's no buyer for their loans right now. So anyway, the Bank of International Settlements has identified that there are 80 trillion, that's correct, 80 trillion dollars worth of FX swaps that are off balance sheet that are floating around right now. And here's the kicker. When you do swaps, these particular type of swaps, you have to, when, when they, when, when it comes, the bill comes due, so to speak, you have to do full notional value. So in something like a futures contract or an option contract, you buy an option contract, call or put on something and it makes buyer worthless. But the most you can lose is whatever you put up unless you're writing calls or writing puts, right? Here, if you, if these things, these swaps get re-swapped and I'm not a swap expert. Um, somebody's got to come up with, in theory, $80 trillion worth of FX uh, pay, pay payments. And, and that is triple the amount of these FX swaps that have ever existed. And it's grown by triples sort of over the last three years. And none of it's on anybody's balance sheet. It's all off balance sheet. So it's hidden. It's just the world's biggest trade ever put on is in these FX swaps and they don't appear anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty How about, how about that? Yeah, that's that's a pretty opaque market. <laughs> yes, and and it, and it, you know, you think about I I believe that the total the thing that brought uh things down at 0809 was about 8 trillion dollars of notional value. Um which was credit default swaps were were written against. So we're looking at potentially 10 times that amount. And you have to come up with, again, the notional value. It's not a derivative. So um, if the, all of that came apart very, very quickly, like something like the yen, which is then again cross. I mean, when you have an FX portfolio, you, you're like, you know, you're long the yen versus the the dollar, but you're also short the Australian dollar versus the pound or whatever. And so your big, your FX bucket gets put into one big sort of soup. And these, these, these off, again, they're off balance sheet, $80 trillion worth of, with the shadow obligations. I mean, I, I, I don't, I've never, I can't imagine that ends well. I just can't. I, I, I don't think it's something you can actively plan for, but that is the greatest well, risk. Of putting it the, it's really like, it. how do you unwind it? I mean, that's the, the thing that, I, yeah, I think maybe that's what we've learned over the last year. Right? Like, how do you unwind these massive trades that get, and, and, you know, like everybody, um, everybody thinks that they're the lone actor. I mean, I, I've, um, I, I would say I very much have gotten some scars this year and, and, and grown, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot more about not just, what i like you know if i go buy some token right some crypto token well don't just think about like oh i'm buying this token go and look at like whatever but what's everybody else buying right and if everybody else is buying i mean the best the best call i've ever had that i didn't listen to myself and it was and i called you remember i went i went to um i went to fire festival i flew to um exuma greater exuma which is where the fire festival was supposed to happen. 
for for knowing that uh, anyone that's listening that's made it to 51 minutes that doesn't know what the fire festival is, go watch it on Netflix. I don't know how you haven't heard about it, but it's this like failed festival in the middle of nowhere in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> I flew there and I had a shitload of money and. As I landed, I lost like 25% of, I think, of like everything I owned. And I lost, like, I had, there was like no internet. And I called you and I was just like, dude, I like, what the fuck do I do right now? And like, I think we stayed up to like five in the morning, just like, you know, talking about risk management and trading and, and, and that sort of thing. And like the whole time I just like was in and out of Wi Fi. So like, I just like couldn't actually manage my trades right like i was just yeah like like, like, yeah talking about risk management never fly somewhere where you like can't manage your trades um on the other hand i've I've had that i've had that work (laughs) for my benefit i have i gotta be yeah yeah right right where you can't touch it and then all of a sudden yeah all of a sudden you're making a bunch of money (laughs) yeah well it keeps you in the trade if you're more right than you think you are that keeps you in the trade yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, okay, so here was the th- here was the big thing that happened that 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 was the the moment that we should have just said, okay, look, let's just you know sort of get out, not like get out of crypto, but let's be light, right? Let's be crypto light. Um, pirate coin, <laughs> pirate coin was the number one trade of crypto, and I like I searched through it. I was trying to figure out like what the hell this thing was. And it was just going up and up and up. And I was posting in like discords and like making fun of it. And like, it's like, yeah, like when you see something like pirate coin that has no like reasonable doubt trading for like 10 or 15 days in a row as the number one cryptocurrency. And you like, can't find any reason for like why it exists and like, what it is about like that is the moment where you say you know what like this is a this is an overblown market and uh yeah you know and hey bitcoin made an made a new all-time high after that right so um the timing was wrong but the uh the signal is there right yeah i think there's so much conventional wisdom right now that the first half of 2023 is going to be bad that this is the first year the first year that you know, analysts surveyed are predicting sort of a down year or flat year. 4,000 is the average call for the S&P, which is the first time in history that people have not um, projected uh, something higher. And um, so the conventional wisdom... Deutsche Bank. Yeah, the conventional wisdom is is to be short in the first quarter and then have a rally take place in the second half of the year. Well... I mean, if you if you think that's true, let me tell you what you do. If you really think that's true, you talk yourself into that that investment thesis. Then you don't wait till second half. You start buying in the first half because I mean, if you think if you think the second half is going to be great, then you know maybe it's not here. But you wait, you know, you start buying Amazon now. You know, you don't wait until until things get absolutely, you know. It's just there's. A lot of corollaries between, if you look at inflation, inflation used to get measured a different way. If you look at inflation and you look at the way it was measured in the 80s and you look at the way it's measured now, in 1982, we've had virtually the same amount of inflation. Now, the old way said 17%. And there have been some creative arguments about how um, inflation is really 17% now or was this year. I mean, Pepsi raised their prices 17% and, and grew their earnings. So... You can say, well, it's at least among 
Pepsi enthusiast, of which I know no, no one, um, that uh, uh, they're willing to pay 17% more for um, that sweet, sweet uh, trip to diabetes. So um, uh, anyway, 80, 82 is an interesting case to me because in 82, you had a super, super high inflationary environment and Paul Volcker dropped, I mean, the Fed chairman dropped, he's the sort of the Fed chairman against all Fed chairmans are judged because he raised interest rates so, so high uh, that, you know, it hurt the, the, the governing party in power. Everybody was pissed. Um, but boy, they got rid of inflation and they got rid of it fast. And so earnings, the, the initial, the initial downdraft in 82 earnings fell a further 20%, but the stock market never made a new low. And so I think that, that it's, I've just been trying to find a parallel for, you know, cause, cause 2000 to 2002, we got this sort of, you know, sat down bear market. And that was a deeper recession than people, I think, think. Um, you've got 08, 09 to sort of look at, but none of those included an inflationary component, right? Um, so, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that just, just there would be other, one other thing you could take away from this. And I think I stole this from Dennis Garman, but, you know, the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. And so the, the fundamentals may, may argue for, um, something that the market doesn't give you. And I, I don't, I don't know. I think Apple should be trading at around a hundred dollars, maybe less. It's at one thirty five or something like that. I think Tesla should be about fifty bucks a share. It's still up at one forty and I'm out of that short with a great short. Um, but the uh and that's a, one of the few single stocks I've traded in the last half decade. It was just like this guy's trying to run two companies at one time and he's pissing off half his potential customers. Okay, uh, well, so so um th- I think that's a great point. What one of the, the points that I just want to make is like Okay, so there is, you know, and I think every, any, you know, anyone that's made it to fifty-seven minutes, like we look at technicals, but we also look at fundamentals, right? There are points where, you know, just in my mind, like say Tesla does what you say it's going to do, but Ethereum stays at twelve hundred dollars. All of a sudden, why do people buy Ethereum just for that reason? Like not for yeah. any other reason than it didn't go down. Right. Like, yeah. and then all of a sudden it, this is like, I, I wrote this whole thing, um, this back and forth with our friend at our, at Cargill um, that uh, you know, Hey, like I, I really do believe that crypto is reflexive, like a commodity, which means the price goes up because it's going up and the price goes down because it's going down. Yes. You need a catalyst um, or an exhaustion, like a market exhaustion or something like that to like turn the, the, the thing around. But um you know, sort of like once the momentum starts, like, you know, you said it, uh, buy high, sell higher, right? Like, I think that that is the way to think about crypto is, is in the current moment is, is it's a commodity and it's reflexive. And if it's going up, it's going to go higher. And if it's going down, it's going to go lower. Like it, it feels maybe a bit dumb to say, but, um, it's, I don't know. It's just like the truth of the world. <laughs> Yeah, we've also been experimenting with what we call monetized wrongness, which is if you're convinced that something's going to happen, um, then go ahead and put a, a buy stop if you're short or a, or, a, or a sell stop very away from everything that you think can happen. 
And I mean, you're convinced, like, you're just like, I'm in, I am sold on Bitcoin at these levels. It is 100% going to 50,000. Put a sell stop order in at around 7,000 now. And then you won't have to think about it later. And if you're wrong, you can make just as much money, but put it way away from the price. Straddle it and don't use options, but just think of, think of things in those terms. Um, because as Bitcoin demonstrated, as all these cryptos have demonstrated, and stocks have demonstrated, and crude has demonstrated, and all this kind of stuff, it always goes way further than you think it will. And so if Bitcoin is still kicking around, you know, anything above 10,000 to me, then you don't have a whole lot to worry about. Um, if the S&P really does fall apart, I do think Bitcoin will get taken down to something like 10,000. I, I don't know. I don't know if you could have a relative outperformance of Bitcoin unless um, people are holding and they're just, they're just unwilling to sell and they're unwilling to, I mean, pretty much people I talk to just randomly on the street or whatever. I've never met somebody who sold crypto ever. I've been, I've only met people. I've only met buyers of crypto. I've never heard anybody say, yeah, no, I just got out of my, now this, I'll just like ask an Uber driver. I fly a lot. I'll ask people in airports. And every time I talk to them, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I bought some of that way back when. It's gone down by like 90%, but I still have it. And so if, if people are going to hold on to investments that are down 90% and they're not going to fully, you know, they're just basically saying, I'm willing to let this go to zero. How does it ever really get to zero? Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, which is why, you know, I started writing uh, in our little private section on uh, on the the Footguns newsletters about Dogecoin. And uh, yeah, that's what I've been writing about is is I, I don't think you need to necessarily. I mean, OK, so one thing that we've talked about is like it sort of changes you when you put a position on. So like even if you like literally just go buy one hundred dollars worth of Dogecoin it's different for you. Like, first of all, you get to see the real world truth of like when you bought in what you don't have to go and look at a chart and be like, wait, did I buy at this level or the, you know, you know, right? Like your brain tricks, it's tricks you all the time and, and tries to make you feel good about yourself, which you should, everyone should feel good about themselves or, or not, whatever. Um, um, but you know, it, it, it tricks you in trading when you like don't actually put the position on because then you like just convince yourself that you like did a better thing than you actually did. So you go buy a hundred dollars worth of Dogecoin or, or, you know, 10 bucks or whatever. And you, you look at it and you go, Hey, I bought this six months ago and it's worth $4. Um, what's going on with crypto, right? Like crypto must be hurting really bad or you buy it and like, you know, Hey, I bought this six months ago and it's worth the same amount. Oh, hey, I think crypto might have bottomed, right? Or you buy it six months ago and it went up $2, right? Oh, maybe, maybe there's a bid going on right now, right? Like, I just, I just think it's a, a barometer, right? It's something. Yeah. That well, is Reese Witherspoon selling the her, the market? Is right. Reese <laughs> selling her F? I doubt it. You know, I mean, it's right, right. Her, that, her so. one ETH or whatever. I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. how much did she buy? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think, I think the whole, uh, I mean, Twitter is really, that's the last thing, last topic, and that is... Okay, no, 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 I got, hold on, hold yeah, on, I got a hot more. take for 2023, I got a hot take okay. for 2023, zero crypto ads in the Super Bowl in 2023. 
Yeah. Um, I know this crypto.com still had theirs up in the World Cup. And I guess they paid for that before it, but I just kept Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But I, I don't. Uh, the World Cup didn't get embarrassed by Tom Brady. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I think it's an NFL, NFL specific, Super Bowl specific. I'll buy that. Um, so last year, like last year, like every single ad, like ninety percent of the ads were just like Coinbase. I don't know. So if one ad gets through, I lose. Right? I lose this. Uh, this yeah. No, I think, but I think it's. Uh, I think it's. Uh, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting because at the time, everyone was showing the Pets. dot com ads from the Super Bowl from the dot com bubble, and they were like, "Well, you know, cryptos." dead because look at this analogy to the dot-com bubble and the pets.com and yeah. super bowl and, and all that kind of stuff turn, i mean yeah, yeah and then it turns very, out like yeah turned out yeah. to be very helpful in terms of the price of, of of a lot of things but you know i mean look i i think that uh um i i i i, I don't know but uh, t- people are really leaving twitter that's a lot these last topics or what's your take on twitter and People really are leaving Twitter. I mean, I've pretty much changed my name to um, "This is going Chapter 7. and um, so, and I don't go on there anymore. I mean, I mean, I, uh, all these people no, are like nobody, saying goodbye, and like nobody you know, responds or likes any of. Uh, I mean, I got a couple of, you know, every once in a while, liquidity tweets something, and since I can comment, you know, I hit hit some bangers that get a lot of likes or whatever, but. Uh, Right. Yeah, for the most part, like I mean, even the big accounts that I follow are getting less engagement, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's certainly it's certainly crypto's space. Like, uh, if anything, I think the crypto people more than anyone are like searching for something uh, else besides Twitter. I've seen a lot of uh, pr- crypto personalities being like. Where where do we go? You know, and like a lot of people, um, there's this thing called like Mastodon. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, yeah, no, I'm on Post News and I'm on Mastodon as, as well. I haven't been able to sort of figure out Mastodon, um, but Post uh, News is just pretty much just journalism and engagement. You have to like link your LinkedIn profile, so they're, oh, they're nice. starting, yeah, yeah, they're starting with like a a low note. Yeah, I can say. Um, it's pretty, you know, personally, um, I've been a little bit less engaged in it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would love to find something, uh, you know, the thing that I like about Substack at least is it leaves, um, it leaves like a record for people to go back and like, like Twitter is like impossible to go back and try and figure out like what things were (laughs) said and yeah. Um, you know, so like with Substack, it's really easy for us to like link back to like past you know podcasts and past articles and and that sort of thing i mean i don't think Substack's perfect um they definitely you know they told me that they would accept cryptocurrency uh for payment like a year ago and i messaged them about it like 18 times and they you know they're just like oh yeah we're and, and then there was like i don't know there's like other Substacks that they can accept crypto for payment but they like won't let us mm. do it i don't know uh interesting but yeah i don't know i i I think twitter is pretty much like useless other than there's still a couple of um i think there's an important important lesson on there yeah there's an important lesson here which is anytime anybody starts 
waving around, uh, you know, oh, we're free speech. I'm doing this for free speech. That's exactly what they're not doing. Um, and, you know, everyone's for free speech. Like, that's without saying. And so for him to go and kick journalists off and then be like, you know, whatever. And I get it. He's going to, he's going to have, I mean, that was all very cleverly done by having a Twitter poll. Should you step down? Yes. So that he can, in fact, step down because he should. But who would want the job of Twitter CEO right now? Like, I, it's a company that's never Jack made Dorsey. Money. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But he's already said no. And I think that, uh, um, I mean, he only owns, he only owned, what I thought was odd about that is he must have had a bad lawyer because he only owned 2% of Twitter. And I mean, he was one of the co founders, right? So, um, I, uh, uh, I mean, you get diluted in various A rounds, B rounds, C rounds for, but that shows you how unprofitable a company is that the original founders don't own very much of it anymore because they get diluted by subsequent rounds because the thing is not profitable. So if Twitter's never well, well right. I mean, it's the, it's just I, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of like what the 2022 20, 20, bear, I, I, I I don't know. Maybe people look back at this and call it like the crypto bubble or, but I would just say this is just like the dot com bubble. Like, is it, you know, if the dot com bubble was a bubble, then this is the same thing. It's a bunch of tech companies that were overinflated, overinvested, not making any money. Um, you know, so like a lot of people are just like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. Like, right. Pets.com. Like it's gotta, it's gotta kill. And like, there are many websites right now where you can go do all of the things that pets.com offered. And I'm not quite sure, you know, what their valuations are, but yeah, what I'm saying is like, com, the, the reason, the, reason the idea was called, fine, right? Yeah. Like the idea was fine. It was the no, yeah. response no, it was of the investors to the idea. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was the, it? it was the finance markets that made the mistake, not pets.com that made the mistake. Yeah. I mean, I think they put debt on top of a company that was not, able to repay it like to the tune of seven times or something like that. So pets.com debacle, web van, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's really they're poster children because of their terrible capital structures. They're not poster children because pets.com is a bad idea to have uh, online pet food. Right, right. Exactly. And, and that's what I, I just think like what's going on now is there's all these great ideas and everyone just thinks like, oh, well, that must mean money. And then they just like invest in anybody that will tell you, you know, it, it's kind of what happened in crypto, right? Like that's, that's the point I tried to make earlier. Uh, and then we can we can cut this off. Um, was just, yeah, it's like people get what the ideas are. And then all of the, you know, charlatans and scammers and whoever are going to come and they're going to convince you that they're the ones that have solved the problem which is what's so, you know, why I will just over and over again just say buy Bitcoin and forget about all the rest is that we have no idea who Satoshi Nakamoto is and no one can figure out who the person is. And I don't know, it, it literally, unless it's the U.S. government, they would have arrested the person by now. And if it is the U.S. government, well, congratulations on pulling that one off. I don't think the U.S. government would arrest the person who found a Bitcoin. I don't think that's true. In fact, you don't I think, think so. No, you know no, there, I, there's. I mean, there was like an FBI. I mean, a public FBI like search for this person, or at least files that were published. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, why would you? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's not, it's not harmful to the, to the United States government. I mean, it's not like a weapon or something. I mean, it's not a way 
you know, I mean, there's a great, <clears throat> as people point out, I mean, again, our current SEC chairman uh, taught a class on blockchain. I don't, I just don't think. Okay, sure, fine. Maybe that's a bit extreme. I, I, I at least think that if this person was identifiable and alive, that Bitcoin would not be the number one cryptocurrency. There you go. That's my less extreme. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's the only one that's that's <clears throat> at least the 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 yeah. So that's another bolstering to my argument that if you're investing in a personality in a crypto project, then you probably shouldn't be there. Yeah. Well, but I, I again, I just think like. And I'll continue to make this argument until I'm wrong, um, you know, proven wrong. And and what do we say, like in our our trading rules, which you can you can go and uh, get access to if you subscribe, uh, is that you know you're you're not proven right until uh, you you make money, right? So um, <laughs> I, I I believe that you know when when people, especially you know like like uh, Martin, the uh, the guy that's been writing the. Uh, uh, you know, from the desk of the trader when he says like, you know, uh, equities, you know, have a return on investment. They, you know, they have real cash flows and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think like literally why I'm still invested in Bitcoin is unlike every single company, every single, um, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin does not have a leader, uh, you know, an identifiable leader. Um, and so therefore it, must be a commodity because commodities don't have identifiable leaders, right? Like, there I don't know. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you could argue oil has some, and, and you know, no. there's, there's large I mean, players, but yeah, there's no, there's, there's no person players. that's just like the mayor of oil or the president of oil no, or right. whatever, right? Yeah, no, yeah. That's right. That's correct. I agree with that 100%. Well, on that note, thanks for joining us for the Christmas edition of. Click on this podcast. We'll see you in the new year and we'll do this all over again.